Good evening. This week's parsha, this week's portion of the uh, Torah, is Vayetze. Vayetze, and uh, the Vayetze having to do with the first uh, verse in the uh, Torah, where it says Vayetze Yaakov Be'er Sheva, and that Yaakov went out of Be'er Sheva Vayelacharana. Therefore, it's called Vayetze. But this, this week's portion always always comes at the time of the Hebrew month of Kislev, which is the uh, constellation of Sagittarius. Sometimes it is in the first week or sometimes in the second week. But without fail, the Pasha of Ayatseh will always, will always come out during this month of Sagittarius. Now, it's, it's very unfortunate, very unfortunate, that uh, Jews have always assumed that the reading of the portion of the week has something to do with the fact, and maybe that's all it has to do, is with the fact that you divide the weeks up to so many, so many weeks, you divide the portions of the Torah into so many weeks, and therefore, each week has to be read. I mean, that, that is the prerequisite in halacha. You read a portion of the week on Shabbat, and therefore, Vayese is one of those, and by, co by coincidence, it happens to fall on in the month of Kislev, without paying any attention to the fact that maybe Vayese has something to do with Kislev. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe the reading of the portion of Vayetze was designated to be read during the month of Kislev because maybe there is some connection. Maybe there is an opportunity for us to tap more energy. Maybe there's an opportunity for us to uh, understand a little more about what there is to know about this month of Sagittarius. But unfortunately, this is the way it's been going on for a long time, and that is just read. For what purpose? To fulfill a pre precept, so to speak. But we know from a uh, Kabbalistic point of view, nothing could be further from the truth. It has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that we are required to read this portion of the week on Shabbat. Now, what is Sagittarius? How do I know about Sagittarius? I mean, it's one of those signs of the constellation. But what is its deeper significance? Or what, what is its influence that, first of all, that prevails? And secondly, how I can tap its energy since it expresses itself during this period. And... There is no question today, with all scientific uh, research and logic, that the cosmos do influence us. And it is not by chance that the Pasha of Ayetze falls during this, this week, during this time of Sagittarius. Now, just to review a, briefly, the first section in Pasha Vayetze, it tells a story. 
And each year people read the same story. I'm surprised they don't get tired year after year reading the same story. But I guess the Bible has a, uh, I mean, I can't blame the people in the uh, Bible Belt. And these people are very devoted to the Bible. For them, in the Bible Belt, you know, the Christians, they, they just love reading the Bible. Whether they understand it or not, they just love it. So I understand, but I, I haven't found many Jews that, you know, love just to read the Bible, just to read the stories, just to read the stories. And if you read the story once, how often do you read the same story over again? Why is the story so interesting? As an example, this week's portion says the following, that Yaakov left Beersheba, and he went to Haran. And he came to a certain place, and the sun went down, and he took from the stones of the place, and he put, it up, put it, them, so to speak, I'm just translating it, because uh, this is the way the literal translation reads, although it makes no sense. And he put these stones under his head, and he lied down in that place. Why would he want to take stones? I mean, I, uh, I'm sure if he had a jacket, he would probably even use a jacket. Or did he leave his father's house without a blanket? I mean, you know, he was going to take a long trip. Did he go unprepared? And so he didn't even have a pillow to lie down on, so he had to resort to stones. And firstly, did you ever try sleeping on a lot of little stones? Huh? If you want to sleep on a stone, you take a big stone, right? And you see, you took from a lot of stones. That's certainly uncomfortable. Anyway, and then it continues. And he had a dream. And he saw a ladder extending from the ground. And it's... The top of the ladder literally reached the heavens. And he saw angels of, of the Lord going up and down. And then he saw the Lord standing on top. And the Lord says, I am the God of Abraham and Isaac. And the land that you lie on now, I will give you to you and your children. And he blesses him. And he blesses him. He says, I will protect you. And wherever you go, I will be with you. I will never leave you. And then suddenly he awakes and he says, oh, this must be a place of God. And I didn't even know. And the Zohar says, why should he know? I mean, when did he have the When did he dream? Before he got there or after he fell asleep? Noah says he dreamt when he went to sleep. And when he went to sleep, and before that he had no indication that this was a holy place. So why should he say, oh, and I didn't even know? Of course he didn't know. And then it says he got up, he took the stone, then it says the stone. And they all, all the commentaries raised the question. I mean, here it says he took from the stones. He took a lot of stones. And then it says he took these stones and he made it for a monument. And he poured oil over it. And he called the place Bedkale. Then he made a promise that if God really will keep him and watch him, he's going to give some charity. 
And that's the end of the uh, first section. <coughs> Obviously, we are told that, uh, first of all, it says already that God had told, had told Yaakov in the dream that he was going to protect him and to watch over him. Now, is he doubting God? And this is a question the Zohar raises. It's not my question. Oh, is he doubting God now? When he says, if God will protect him and watch him, then he'll give 10%. He'll give a tithe. <coughs> In other words, we should, we should learn from this that we should all give charity on a condition. If we need something, and we're praying for something we need, whether it be health, money, uh, or whatever, Say, look, God, I promise you this amount of money if you will, if you will, you know, do what I need, give me what I need. We haven't been taught that that is the way you give uh, charity. And then, of course, God already had had promised him without Yaakov making this this uh, promise. And throughout the section, we have we're not finished yet. We're still busy with the stone all the way through. Stone. Then it says the final verse, as if we didn't hear enough about the stone. Here he makes a stone for a monument, and then he spills the oil on the, on its uh, head. And then at the end it says, and this stone that I put for a seva, I put for a monument, says again, this here will be the house of God. There will be the house of God. What do you mean? Where that stone is, that's where the house of God is. And all the commentaries again raise many questions about this idea of the stone. I mean, why is he putting a stone there? Some of them find this question so difficult that they go on to answer that when he will return from where he was going, and he was going to his, uh, to, uh, his uh, uncle's house, he's going to Lavan, who is the father of his two intended wives, Rahel and uh, Leah, and so when he returns, he'll remember the place, like he would forget, and therefore he made it for a monument. All, all very difficult, all very difficult. But as I indicated, obviously, at the very beginning, this whole idea, since the sages uh, placed this particular portion of the week into, into the frame of Sagittarius, obviously there's a connection, and apparently we have some, some instruments, some methodology here by which we can tap some of this awesome power that is emanating right now from Sagittarius. Now Sagittarius is, an, is the English, English word for the zodiacal sign of Sagittarius, which is known in Hebrew as Keshet. Keshet. Keshet means a bow, or even a rainbow. More specifically, it means a rainbow. And the first time this word Keshet is mentioned, first time that the word Keshet is mentioned, is in the portion of the week of Noah. When he came out of the... Uh, out of the uh, ark after the flood had uh, uh, receded and he came out and God told him and God told him that he, no, he never again 
he would never again bring a flood upon the whole world. And in chapter 9 of Genesis, verse 16, it says, And the Keshet was in the clouds, as we always notice, a rainbow. In other words, the, the Hebrew definition of Sagittarius is Keshet. And what is Keshet? Not as, as it is commonly uh, uh, expressed in the pictures we know of Sagittarius as uh, the bow and arrow, as a bow, but very specifically, the word Keshet from this, uh, from the information provided in Noah, indicates that it means rainbow, not bow, but rainbow. Rainbow. And here, this, said God, this would always be the sign that if I have the world became so corrupted that God again felt it was necessary to start all over again, get rid of all the people, and start over again by bringing another flood. What's wrong? God can bring floods whenever he wants to. And so he, in order that he would not bring another flood, he made this covenant with Noah that he no longer would be. But every time we saw the rainbow, every time we saw the rainbow, it would be indicative that God was God saw the world being in a uh, in a balance of negative energy, and therefore the world should be destroyed. But He will not because of the because of His promise and sign of the Keshet. The rainbow. What is the rainbow? What is its internal energy? This is the way, from a Kabbalistic point of view, we must approach the idea of anything that we study here in the Bible, because we know that the Torah is completely concealed. Completely concealed. There is no way that we can, we can draw out any information without, without the Zohar. No way. We could make every effort as commentaries, as commentators have done, at least given some form of an explanation. But its deepest implication can only come from the Zohar, as the Zohar himself says. And so I, I turn to uh, the uh, Zohar to get an idea of, uh, of what this Keshet is about. What is it? What is it? Here is a, a, the, the uh, Zohar, and this will be in Noah, uh, page uh, 92. Noah in page 92. When it says, Et kashti natati ba'anan, I have given my rainbow in the clouds. And the Zohar says, Natati moresh mikodum And as I explained during the Sudat Rosh that this rainbow existed before. God made reference to it. It was here from the very beginning. What is its significance, says the Zohar? 
Kikeshet hisod even shtiya. Keshet. The internal energy of Keshet. This month. What is it? It is the secret of Evan Shtia. The stone that you could say drinks or furnishes and nourishes. Shtia. That's what Keshet means. So immediately, just by that code of the Zohar, it gives me an idea of what this month, what this month is about. Now this Evenshtiya, this Evenshtiya is the stone that Isaac was bound upon by his father. And this is the stone that belongs in the Bet HaMikdash and its particular point in the Kochei Kadashim. In the Holy of Holies, where the Kohen Gadol only on Yom Kippur would tap would tap the most intensified form of energy that was possible to tap from the cosmos when he entered the Kodesh Kadashim on Yom Kippur. Therefore, Keshet, Keshet is a month that resembles the same idea as Yom Kippur. Just as Yom Kippur, that was an opportunity for the Kohen Gadol to tap this this enormous energy, awesome energy, which gave life to the whole world, because that's what Yom Kippur is about. To a certain extent, Keshet, it is not the Evishtia, but it has, says the Zohar, the same secret, the same mystery. What does that mean? The same internal energy Keshet has as the Evishtia. It provides us with that same opportunity as the Evishtia on Yom Kippur, provided the Jews with an abundance of energy to last for the entire year, Keshet also provided us with this kind of energy. Keshet. Where did the name Keshet come from? <coughs> yes, it says Keshet means rainbow, but we know from in Kabbalah we have to delve as deeply as we possibly can into its root, because once you arrive at root, you have arrived at the source by which you then control. If you don't arrive at root, you have no control. Then you're using your 4% brain, which most of us use, and then you're totally out of control. When you reach the root, you get to the bottom of things. When you get to the bottom, then you can possibly acquire control. What is Keshev? Says the Zohar, I believe it's in uh, Pasha, uh, Yes. Keshet. I, I wouldn't have the slightest idea where this word came from. Now, of course, we know the first time that the word Keshet is mentioned in written form, in written form, first time it's mentioned in written form, long before it was written by in the Pasha of Noah, although we think the Bible was the first book that was available to the Jews, which is not correct, because the Sefi Yitzhirah preceded the book of the book of the Bible, and it is mentioned in the Sefi Yitzhirah 
where the word Keshet is mentioned. The word Keshet. Now, where did Abraham get this idea? Just to get, you mean the baby had to have a name? You got to call this constellation by some name. And so, by some chance, he calls it Sagittarius in English or Keshet in Hebrew. But we know that that is never the reason. We know the power of the alphabet. Therefore, we know that Keshet envelops and encapsulates some internal energy. Now, what is it? I wouldn't know. But the Zohar tells us what it means. Keshet says it's clear in Pashat Pinchas, Kuf Kaf Zayn, page 127. Keshet Husiman Tikiya Three words. And everybody knows what that means. In other words, the power of Keshet and the name of Keshet is a code name for Tkia Shvarim Truah. And this is the internal secret of the chariots of the fathers, the chariots which we don't go into, which we do not study, we do not, uh, we cannot comprehend because that is totally Sitvei Torah. What does Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov who are considered chariots? Chariots, meaning they were people, and at the same time, they were totally non-corporeal people. How do you understand that? Almost impossible. We're familiar with people. We don't know what we're is there something other than people in a physical form? These people who were called chariots, Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, they were of another character. But what they were, and which we understand, is the fact that when they, we say they were chariots, they made the direct connection to the cosmos, to the power of the cosmos. They were the chariots. They were the seats. They were the seats of all of this power. They made the connection. Therefore, Tkiah he Avraham, says the Zohar, Shvarim he Yitzchak, and Truah he Yaakov, Shenema utruat melech bo. Vigimel tzvayim nirayim bo. And in this rainbow, there are essentially three colors, Lavan, Edom, Viarok. And these three letters, uh, colors, as you know, correspond to... <laughs> their own internal energy intelligences. Lavan, which is white, we know means Chesed, Avraham. Edom, which is red, means Yitzchak. And Yarok, green, means Yaakov. This is Keshe. That means that just like on Tishrei, just like on Tishrei, the idea that we can alter we can alter our own destiny if it has already been fixed. It has been preordained by prior actions of the previous year. We are in control of our future destiny by going back to the future. And all of this we have already learned concerning Rosh Hashanah. But what we want to draw from this from this teaching of the Zohar, is the idea that this month of Keshet has a direct connection 
to the idea and the energy intelligence of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. That means we have a unique opportunity, and we should take that opportunity. That's why we always encourage anyone who calls, when should he stop? Say, start this month. Start this month. Whatever you're going to start, because you're guaranteed success. Guaranteed success. It is only the cosmic danger zones that murder us when we start on the Tisha B'Av and we start at the end of the month and we start in those days with the Sitra Akhra. You see, if we were using more than 4% of our intelligence, of our wisdom, he could never get away with all the stupidity we do. But since we only operate on a 4% level of intelligence, all the psychiatrists convinced us. In fact, they once said it was 12%. Now they're down to 4 Maybe next week it'll be down to two. I don't know. But they all tell us that we operate on a 4% principle of intelligence. We are so brainy. We're so smart. Therefore, the Sitra Akhra, as it, as it is referred to, meaning this negative energy intelligence, which also exists side by side with positive energy intelligence, since we're only operating with a 4% level, he comes along and smothers us. And so we never understand well, how come we did all the stupid things that we see after the fact. We never see it before, unfortunately, but after, we're again the brainiest people in the world. We understand perfectly well our mistakes. We understand them. No problem. Only one problem, why don't we see them so well before? Therefore, in this month of Kesha, in this month of Kesha, says the Zohar, we are discussing a similar type of energy intelligence that prevails during that period of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. How do I know it's Yom Kippur? Evin Shtiyah. Evin Shtiyah has only one connection. Only. Only to the idea of the Kotche Kadashim. Only to that idea. Meaning, you can tap the energy intelligence of Bina. Only on Yom Kippur. But, but, we say, and we have learned, and you have learned, that Hanukkah is a miniature Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Now, you want to know why Hanukkah is in the month of Keshet? It could be in no other month. The miracle of Hanukkah is not celebrated because of what happened, finding the oil, the Maccabean victory over the, over the Greeks. That's not why we celebrate it. In fact, who celebrates it? Why celebrate it? So what happened? So what? And if, I, and if I don't celebrate it, I'm not a good Jew? And if I don't want to participate in all these parties, I'm not a good Jew? The answer is, has nothing to do with that. The idea why Hanukkah became expressed as a holiday as it did was not because they found the oil. Because in Kabbalah, we would ask the question, how come they found the oil now? Why didn't they find the oil a month ago? I mean, they didn't have eyes. Couldn't see. You realize this was oil that's been laying, hanging out there, you know how many years? Since the Greeks were in control. So that was the day they finally found it. Man, they were blind. 
the physical effect, the physical manifestation of Hanukkah took place only because it was Keshet, only because this month the cosmos operate on the same principle as Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And therefore, if a miracle of Hanukkah could take place, the only time it could become manifest would be in this month. Another indication that this is the month of a miniature a miniature uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is the two letters that govern Samach and Gimel that we have up there. The two letters. The two letters. Samach and Gimel. Samach is for, is for Keshet and Gimel is for Sedek, Jupiter. These are the two celestial bodies. What are they? Because they make their appearance now? The Kabbalist, when he understood that we should make the connection, when it's said in the Sefi Yitzirah, and that's the only place we know, and if there are rabbis that prohibit Jews from studying Kabbalah, you know what they're doing? They're telling them, stay sick. They're telling ruin it, get ruined in your business. They're telling him, have misfortune, have chaos. Because Avram said, here's a document, here is a document that you could make use of and which you can avoid misfortune, chaos, and disorder. You can avoid it. God is good. He gave us the material by which we could, we could better our, our own lives, which we could advance our well-being. Along comes some rabbis. I don't often speak about this, but in our times today with what is going on, things are not normal, whatever it is. Whether it's the weather, whether it's what's going on in Russia, where, where things are not normal. Whether they're good or bad, they're not normal. Everything could be interpreted good, everything could be interpreted bad. People are happy with what's going on there, and there are others who say, it's the worst thing that's happening. Is it good or bad? Depends who's looking at it. So is it good or bad? Depends on your viewpoint. So is that good or bad? It could be good and it could be bad. How do you make it good or bad? Or are we just lucky? No. With the Zohar and with the letter of, Sa of Sama Gimel. Now Sama Gimel is another code. It's so beautiful. Just a little information. With a little information, you begin to control your life. Not be subject to if I'm lucky or not lucky. Sama Gimel is a code name for Bina, the energy store. That's why. Those two letters created these two constel the constellation of Sagittarius and created the uh, and the Gimel created the uh, planet of Jupiter this month. Why this month? Why this month? Take a look at the two letters. I, it, there's, there's so much information that the Zohar provides. It's so simple. So simple. The Samach, what does Samach mean? Somech Noflim. Supports those who have fallen. What does Gimel mean? Gimel, Gomel, from the word Gomel Dalim. <laughs> it supports, it furnishes, it provides sustenance to the poor. Poor, the fallen. This is the month. This is the month. 
It's right there for you. You don't even need more than 2% of your brain to understand it. But you need the information. And when you have this information, when you have this information, then you know this is the month. Take every opportunity. Tap it. And even if you don't have an opportunity this month, because it didn't come this month, build up your reservoir. That's not a bad idea. Build yourself up with sufficient energy that when next month comes, which is Tevet, which we know is a sign of pure negative energy, and that's the month you don't begin anything, and that's the month you've got to really worry that if there is a vacuum, and if anything can go wrong, it's going to go wrong in Tevet, build up a reservoir. Maybe if you build up sufficient amount of energy, of light, the darkness doesn't come in. That's what's required. You don't have to leave it to chance or to luck. You can maneuver your own life, but you must know. And the only way we could know is by this connection that the Zohar makes to the idea of Keshet. That it is the Evenshtia. And with this in mind, with this in mind, this Keshet, we go now to another Zohar. This Zohar is in Vayikra. Now just in case, maybe I'm building up a story. I mean, you never heard this before. Maybe I fabricated the whole thing. Of course, I didn't fabricate what Keshet was about because I, I quoted you the sources. So that becomes a little difficult for those who would uh, like to say that maybe I just dreamt up this kind of explanation, but maybe Rabbi Shimon also dreamt it up. But let us go to the Zohar in Pashat Vayikra, page 78. Because this is the biggest problem of my adversaries. I always quote sources. Had I never quoted sources, they would be happy. Because then it would only be mine. Et kashti natati ba'anan. We quoted that verse in Noah. My keshet. My keshet. So how do you interpret my keshet? Of course it's God's Keshet. I mean, isn't it His? I mean, who's else? God doesn't always say, saying, this is all mine. Even when He created the world, that He, at the end, when He looked at everything, He says, ah, this is mine. No. All that said is, all that said, Vayar Alakim, Kitov, if He says that, He saw that it was good. Never says, this is what I created. Here it says, et kashti natati ben. My keshet I gave him none. What do you mean my keshet? <laughs> says the Zohar, kidei lahagen olam. We usually read it as when God told Noah, and we kind of laughed underneath. But of course, we're, since we're very religious Jews, we wouldn't laugh at the Bible. But deep down under, you know, we, we smiles a little. 
know, God has that keshet over there, the, you know, the rainbow, and he's about to destroy the world, and uh, he remembers, he remembers he once promised, you see, I mean, let's say the rainbow didn't appear. One day it went on strike. God wouldn't remember, right? He would forget. He needs also, like we need, somebody to give us a pinch to remember things, right? God also needs a computer to, you know, to bring out some information he may have forgotten, right? I mean, is that what it means? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. So what does it mean when God told Noah, see, when I'm going to look at that, at that Keshet, when I'm going to look at the rainbow, I'm going to remember that I, I made a promise to you. That's what he's going to remember, because if it wasn't there, he wouldn't remember. Says the Zohar, and again, Vayikra Ayin Chet, Ekashti Natati Ba'anan, Kidei Lahagen Alo Alam. You know why I put the Keshet there? So he could put a cosmic energy force into the cosmos, and that is what can save the world. You know why? Because the world is not saved. You mean a flood? You mean holocaust? Well, that's not destruction. What is destruction? What is destruction of the whole world? And what is destruction of 20 million people? You mean what it means the whole world? At that time, I don't know if there may be 50, maybe 100,000 people at the time of Noah. And in the Second World War, 20 million people died. That's worse than the Mabul. That God doesn't remember. That God doesn't remember. Only he remembers not to bring a flood. But all forms of other kinds of destruction? That's okay. That's logical. It's not logical that this document called the Torah could give us that kind of storytelling and that we should believe it. Therefore says the Zohar, when it says, I put, I put that Keshet there. Not because he's going to remember. Remember what we said about Zachor? <coughs> Zachor. Zachar. It's a code word. What's the difference between male and female? Zachar and Nekeva. And in Kabbalah we know it doesn't mean male and female. Because what is male and female? Male and female means the male is a channel for positive energy. And the female, not negative in a sense, evil. But she ha- she carries the egg. She carries the vessel. And the man is the channel for the sperm, which is the energy intelligence that creates. But without the egg, there would be nothing. So Zachar is the channel, is the channel by which energy intelligence is brought into this world. So when it said that he will remember, it means he brought from the word Zachor. He brought down an energy intelligence that can be channeled. That can be channeled into this world. What energy intelligence did he give? Keshet. What is Keshet? It is the Tekiah, the Shvarim, and the Teruah. The three column system that you're all familiar with. The three-column system. The three-column system we know that if you can execute a three-column system, 
you have created a security shield around us. We've, we've studied that time and time again. But sometimes when we do that, and if we don't have the assistance of the cosmos, it becomes very difficult. When the cosmos has already established the three-column system, which is the greatest system for the emergence of energy forces, positive energy forces, and all I do is just make a little connection to it, and I'm there. I'm there. I don't have to create it. All I have to do is think about a Samach and a Gimel and the other little connections we have made with this month called Sagittarius. I have immediately connected to a force called Keshet. Not a rainbow. What does the rainbow mean? Why does conventional astrology say it means the bow and and, and, and Kabbalistic astrology it's the rainbow? Why? Because the rainbow has three colors. So, so what if it has three colors? No, the three colors indicate the three-column system, the atom, the three forces. That's what Keshet is. Because when that force appears, there is nothing anyone can do. Why is that necessary? Why does it, when does it appear? Says the Zohar. When the world is so corrupt and so enveloped with negative energy and there is no one who can pray against it, no one. God, out of his beneficence, not to destroy the world again, provides us with an opportunity and says, here, here's a free gift. Here's a rainbow. Here is the energy intelligence of three combined into one. And when there is a unification of the all-embracing reality of the force, when is that? When you have right, left, and central that we always struggle to try to create. Where in Keshet it already exists, when that becomes prevalent, when we have that, you have protection, automatic protection. Just like when that rainbow appears, it was an indication that the world was corrupt and evil and there was nothing around to save the world, to save the world from devastation. God puts the rainbow there, a gift to the world. What does it mean? He puts a rainbow there. So now there's a rainbow. No. What it means is he has brought the three-column system into an executed manner. It becomes now manifest as an all-embracing reality of energy, of light. All negativity disappears. When we say that Keshet is such a powerful month, because when we said before, with our 4% brain, we are opened to anything that can go wrong. And that's Murphy's Law. If anything can go wrong, go wrong. He must have been a capitalist. Why, if anything can go wrong, it should go wrong? If anything can go wrong, why shouldn't he think that could go right? Go right. Why do you say if anything could go wrong? Because if there's an opening, because we only operate with 4%, then something can go wrong. The Sitra Akhra, that other evil satanic energy intelligence is waiting for the first opportunity to destroy us. That's his function. To destroy us. Along comes Keshet. That's what it means when God puts the Keshet, the rainbow, into position where we have not been able to structure 
the three-column system. We have not been able to bring enough positive energy into the world. God, through his beneficence, brings down a finished product called the Keshet. That's what Keshet means. All right? Mikan says the Zog continues, Asiman the Hasid Sadik, and therefore now we understand when there is a Hasid that's Sadik in the world, Shalona Galah Keshet Biyamav. You know why the rainbow never appears? Not necessary. When the Sadik who can balance the whole world, he's got to be that kind of a tzaddik, can balance the whole world, then there'll never be a rainbow. There's no necessity. Because what the tzaddik is doing is balancing right, left, through his central, through his restriction. So there's no necessity of a keshet appearing. The idea that keshet appears is again the beneficence of, of the Lord towards us. Where the world, which is so corrupt, should come to an end. While Rabbi Shimon was alive, it says, there never was a rainbow in the heavens. We think every time it rains, there'll be a, uh, a rainbow. You might ask, why does the rainbow accompany rain? Why shouldn't there be a rainbow without rain? Why does it come with rain? So the answer is, because because the flood was rain. That's the way the flood came. And that's why the Keshet appears. Yes, why? Because water, as we explained Last month, what is Heshvan? Why is it Mar Heshvan, Bidah Heshvan? Because we said there is nothing as devastating as positive energy gone berserk or gone run amok. When there is an excess of Chesed, same thing when a, when a parent to a child is overprotective, overextending, demolishes the child. But he's constantly feeding and giving the child. What could go wrong? If he beat the child, deprive the child of food, other things, we can understand. Spoiling that child, the child will be evil. But how could the child become? Because in extension of the energy, if it is not controlled, you know what can happen? Because where is the force? What is God's force? to share why is the Keshet connected with the with rain or why is it connected with the so supposedly the Mabul because water is the Keshet is the sharing concept that we relate to and we associate with God God has no desire to receive as we learn in Kabbalah his internal characteristic is one of sharing therefore the Keshet relates to the rain he says, during the time of Rabbi Shimon, Because when the, the uh, rainbow does appear, it is a sign that there is absolutely no one in this entire world that is fitting, fitting 
to prevent the disaster, and then God comes along and establishes Keshet. But not the rainbow. He looks at the rainbow and says, oh yeah, I remember. No. He establishes the force of the three columns. We don't, we don't do that. We have done the opposite, corrupted the world. And when that happens, God in his beneficence, in the Rachamim, he will, he will prevent destruction of the world. Now, if we turn back to Pasha Vayetse, and we remember all that we have just discussed, we go now to an obvious question that we asked before. We said, And he took from the stones of the place, took stones. Stones. How many stones? doesn't say how many stones. But he took a lot of stones. Then we asked the question, why didn't he take one stone? It'd be easier to lie on one stone than it is to lie on a lot of pebbles. Right? And we said, that the Zohar asked that question. And in Pashat Vayetze, Dav Dalit, it says, the Zohar, he took from the stones of that place. Meaning, when you're taking from, he was, says the Zohar, he was choosing certain stones. Because he could have said, if he just wanted the stones to sleep, he could have just said, he took stones from the place. He says he took from, from the place. So the Torah, in its total concealment, is revealing. What was he taking? Specific stones. Elohen avanim yikarot. Special stones. And we said Keshet is a special stone. Eveshtiyah. He was taking special stones. Which special stones? Shehen shtei asara avanim elyonot. He was taking 12 specific stones. Now, the minute... The Zohar sells 12 specific stones. Already everyone who knows what the number 12 means, 12 signs of the constellation, he was taking them. He was taking, not stones. I mean, is that what the Torah got? I mean, if I didn't learn that story about him taking stones, I mean, what would happen? I wouldn't understand the Torah. I mean, is that essential? Is that essential for the story that we read year in and year out? We know that the story means absolutely zero. It has no meaning for us other than other than to delve into its deeper implication. When it says says the Zohar, he took twelve stones. He took these stones because it'll have something to do with what is read further on. Again, a story you read that year in and year out, and I can must tell you the truth that before I entered Kabbalah, I read the story year in and year out, and ultimately I, I got a little tired. It's the story about, about Yaakov having 12 children with his four wives. I mean, who doesn't remember the story? 
Must we read it year in and year out so we won't forget it? Why in this Pasha does it have to be mentioned? Why did they split it up, put it into the next Pasha? Why did they insert the whole teaching about Avram and his married life? What would happen if we didn't know about his married life? What would be missing? The answer is what you already know, that the 12 sons, we're talking about the 12 signs of the Zodiac. So already there seems to be some connection to what is later uh, uh, enumerated and described in this Pasha of Ayetze to tell us. And that we have already learned every year that when we come to the Beta Knesset here, although maybe I should discuss the Berlin Wall once in a while on Shabbat, but I haven't gotten around to it, we're always late. One day maybe we'll have time. And we discuss the 12 sons. But for us, we are not discussing the story. We understand that when we come to this Bet HaKnesset on Shabbat, we want to connect with the root, the seed of the 12 signs of the Zodiac. The reason we come and the reason we are reading this year in and year out is not to learn the story, not to to see whether I still remember how and why each child was named the way he was named, because of what importance is it, how and why Yaakov approached, and why he what brought him to the reason for naming that particular son the name he did. What was the reason? What, what's so significant about it? But knowing that he was the Zeta, he was the seed of the beginning of the physical manifestation of connection to the 12 signs of the Zodiac. Before these 12 sons, the only ones who could make connections would be Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, nobody else. Although astrology was known, and that's why even today, astrology was conventional astrology originated at the same time of Avram, although Avram is never mentioned as being the first astrologer, and that he provided the information to all other nations. He provided. Now, maybe he didn't, because some say conventional astrology is 5,000 years old. There is no recording, there is no recorded document that it is 5,000 years old, by the way. There is no recording. The only written demonstration is the Torah, now, it doesn't mean that it's not true. Now, you've been handed down Chinese astrology, Egyptian astrology, Persian astrology. All of these astrologies may have existed 5,000 years ago. However, it is only traditionally known. There is no writings that could be attributed to that period of 5,000 years ago. Here, here, says the Sefer Yitzhidah, these 12 sons, when they were created, provided the world, and specifically the Jew who studies Kabbalah, with the first opportunity to begin to control each month. One of the ways we do it is with the Anabakoach. We do it on Rosh Chodesh. Why do we do it on Rosh Chodesh? Because that is when the month first begins to breathe. It's at its, inf- it's, at its beginning. When it first saw the light of day, when it first began, 
Where do we want to capture control? At the seed level. There we can. So, when we are discussing here that he was taking the 12 stones. What does it mean he was taking 12 stones to make himself a pillow? In fact, remember we asked... In, cha- in verse 18 of the same chapter, it says, Vayashkim Yaakov Baboke, and Yaakov rose in the morning, Vayikach Eta Evin. He took the stone. Remember we asked, he had taken stones, it says, in the verse 11. The f- second verse in this week's portion of the week, it says he took from the stones, many stones. And here it says he took a stone. What happened? All of the stones became combined into one. So what is what is Rashi's explanation for it? A miracle happened. Was Rashi a Kabbalist? Absolutely. Did he write Kabbalah? No. Not every one had the Omakif to write Kabbalah. Was Rabbi Akiva of a higher level of consciousness than Rabbi Shimon? Moshe said. Moshe said in Tractate Shabbat. It says that Moshe said that he did not understand why God was choosing him to be the shliach, to be the messenger, to be the, the, the carrier, the vehicle, the channel for revelation on Mount Sinai when there was a soul that was much of a higher level consciousness named Akiva. So obviously if Akiva was higher than Rabbi Shimon, and we know that Rabbi Shimon was only an incarnation of Moses. Not that that put him down on a low pedestal, but he wasn't as high as Rabbi Akiva. And yet Rabbi Akiva did not write the Zohar. And so we have learned why. Because Rabbi Akiva had the Yorah and I don't want to go into all, all of its uh, implications, but Rabbi Akiva did not have Yorah His pen could not write. It was not a question of a good author or a bad author. He did not have that or Akif. There was something missing in that channel that the pen could not write the Zohar. Could not write the Zohar. Therefore, it was Rabbi Shimon who wrote it. It was Avram Avinu who wrote the Sefi Yitzirah. For what purpose? That when, when the time would come, when the time would come, whereby the constellations, the influence of the constellations would be directly embraced or connected by people, physical people, meaning when each son was born, what did it mean? And each son was given the power. That's what it's all about. Not just the birth of a son. But that the naming of each son was a code by which we would now, through the channels of these 12 sons, we would now be in a position to not only tap the energy, positive energy of each month, but that we would also learn how to control 
the influence of each month. So that we, we don't have to resort to that. Now, how did I do a stupid thing like that? How did I do that stupid thing? Why didn't I think? That should never happen. That should never happen. The only way it can happen is when you work with 4% and 96% is empty. You've created a halal, a vacuum. So if anything could go wrong, it will go wrong. But if you can fill that 96% with the power and energy of that particular month, the positive energy, and make sure that you take control of the satan, because that's what we do also with those two letters and the other prayers that we make use of in making our connections. What do you mean you make connections? To take control. We are going to control. This is why there is a story about the 12 sons, because in those words, as in the Samach Gimel, Sag, of this month, we learn control. The 12 sons created control. It was through them, and only through them, only through them, until the period, until that period, that they were born on a physical level, there was no way we, simple people, other than Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov could take control. No way. After they were born, after they were born, it was only then that we, also physical people, could begin to take and make that connection to the cosmos through them. So when we hear on Shabbat each of those words describing how they were born and so forth, we have the codes of control. We'll have a short information.